Well, I want to tell you my story. And it's a really good story. But it isn't just my story. It is a story about God's people. A story about the God who saved me. My name is Rahab. And I wasn't always part of the nation of Israel. No, in fact, my life has had many challenges. I grew up in the town of Jericho, and my family struggled, and I learned there how to survive from a young age. As the oldest child, I needed to help support my family, and I turned to one of the few ways that a single woman could make money. I also worked with flax and fabrics, but that was never enough to pay the bills. I didn't want my siblings to have to experience the kind of abuse, so I took on the role of provider. And it was much more profitable to use my body at the bidding of men who would offer me some payment. What else could I do? It wasn't as if there was someone who would provide for me. Someone had to provide for my parents, and I did what I could. I was grateful to live in the outskirts of town of the city. And in fact, our house was part of the wall on the edge of town where few people went. And I didn't mind being farther away from the places of worship. I, I don't like to recall what it was like growing up in a Canaanite town. While I may have worked as a prostitute, I was not going to work at the holy places where sacrifices were made. The things that I saw... Well, that is not the story that you have come to hear. But let us just say I can understand why God was sending punishment on this city. The evil that was being done there is not something to talk about in polite company. Honestly, though, before seeing a different way to live, I didn't know better. I never really liked it, but I didn't know that there was any other way. We sacrificed to the gods because that was how we had good crops and rain, and if we didn't, how could we survive? There was great fear around the worship of these idols, uh, but I'd heard these stories of the Israelites we all had. I mean, no one had ever heard of anything as miraculous as people walking on dry ground through the Red Sea and how the Lord dried up the water when they were coming out of Egypt, not to mention what Israel did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan. They were completely destroyed. We knew that the Lord God is God in heaven above and on earth below, clearly greater than all other deities. And I wondered what it would be like to escape this life and follow a God who would rain down bread from heaven to sustain his people. He must be good. The gods we worshipped in Jericho were many things, but good was not one of them. I thought, there was no chance for a woman like me to even meet the people of Israel, let alone become part of them. So when I heard the rumors that Israel was approaching the Jordan, my heart began to race. While those around me were melting with fear and preparing for a siege and building up resources to protect the city, I had this glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe a different life could be out there. Every day we waited, wondering if this would be the day that the city would come under attack. And I remember that day as if it was yesterday, the day I spied two new men. Now, I believe it was God's providence that brought them to my door. 
For what better place for strange men to hide than in the house of a prostitute? There were strange men coming in and out of my house all the time. They were trying to blend in, but I saw them and I knew immediately they were not from around here. I ushered them into my house, heart racing. Somehow I knew this was something I needed to do. I couldn't not do it. Though my head kept trying to convince me otherwise, it would be seen as treason against the king to harbor such spies, especially when everyone was on high alert. How, could, but how, how couldn't I welcome them? They entered my house and I told them they didn't need to fear me. I would help protect them and I answered their questions about the land and I fed them. I wasn't sure what I was doing, but I couldn't turn against this God. If God was going to take this city, I figured it was better to be on their side no matter what happens. Plus, it was just the right thing to do to show hospitality to strangers. I gave them a place to rest and I kept watch. And then <laughs> I heard the knock on the door. I quickly hid them on the roof under the flax I'd been working and sure enough, it was a message from the king. He said, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land and the king wants you to bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they've come to spy out the whole land. And I told him, he said, well, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they'd come from. At dusk and it was time to close the city gates, they left and I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you might catch up with them. Well, apparently I was convincing because they left. And I knew this was not a moment to be wasted. I went and I found the men from Israel and I told them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Praise be to the God of heaven and earth. They heard my request and they assured me our lives for your lives. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. I let them down out the window through a rope because I live outside the city wall and I told them to go to the hills so the pursuers will not find them and hide themselves there for three days until the king's men return and then go on their way. They told me to tie a scarlet cord in the window that they went out of and to bring all of my family into my house or otherwise the oath would not be binding. We needed to stay in the house and to not tell anyone. Of course, I agreed. It felt as if I was dreaming. The fear and the dread I'd been feeling about the destruction of my city was replaced with awe and wonder of how all these pieces could fall into place. I tied the scarlet cord in the window that night and it stayed there until the fateful day when God did indeed give them the city. And they must have done what I said because they were never found by the guards. God used my knowledge of the men of the city for they share their secrets with me all too easily to help protect the spies. I'm glad that some good could come from my pain. I waited every day and every night watching and waiting. 
And I heard reports they were getting closer, and everyone around me was in a panic. They were making sacrifices to the gods, they were barricading the wall, fortifying supplies to last against the attack of the Israelites. I, I was nervous, but every time I saw that red cord in my window, I remembered the promise and I had renewed hope that I would not be forgotten. I, I tried to bring it up with others I knew. Maybe we could offer peace. Do you really think <laughs> that going against the God of Israel is a good idea? But they continued to make sacrifices to other gods and they showed no interest. So I kept my promise and I didn't tell anyone else what I knew. And I wondered what was taking them so long. Well, now I know, since I've heard the stories, God was reinstating Joshua as the rightful leader of Israel. He was showing everyone that he was the man that God would use after Moses to lead the people. Everyone in Jericho had heard of Moses, the way he spoke with Pharaoh and brought those plagues against the nation and the gods. I think there was some relief when he was gone because surely no one could lead like him. Perhaps the nation of Israel would crumble without his leadership, but not so, because Yahweh had prepared Joshua for this kind of leadership. He was a strong and a courageous leader, and for three days they went around the camp preparing to cross the Jordan. Now, the Jordan River is no Red Sea, but it is not small, and at flood stage, no one thought they could cross that with all their soldiers, let alone the Ark of the Covenant. But there they were that morning, and, and the priests with the Ark approached the river, and when their feet touched the water, the ground was dry. Like the stories of the Red Sea crossing, the water just stopped flowing and God held it back. And that Ark, it stayed in the middle of the river while everyone passed by. Oh, I wish I could have seen it that day. So what does this say about God that he led the way for the people that day? They took their most precious possession, the Ark of the Covenant, and that was what they sent into the roaring waters first? The gods of our land did nothing first. They demanded that people give sacrificially to them, not the other way around. But this God leads his people. He is with them. What a sight to behold. Well, then they built an altar out of stones from the river, and now that I have seen with my own eyes. It is still there, and I tell my children when they ask about it, this is the reminder of when Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. What a blessing that God even then intended for all peoples of the earth to turn to him. I'm thankful that he called me. Surely now the people of Jericho would turn to the God of Israel. But no, though they were so full of fear of this God, what he, what he could do, they retreated and they hid behind their walls. They were too afraid to attack, but they wouldn't turn to God either. Instead, they shut the gates. No one came in and no one came out. But do they really think the God who parts the waters could have a hard time with brick and stone? What foolishness, I thought. My family gathered in my home and we waited each day for what was to come. Now I know that the people of Israel were celebrating the Passover during that time. A remembrance of when they were still in Egypt and God instructed them to paint the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their door frames so that the angel of death would pass 
over them. The lamb's blood was a sign that their house was covered, and it was only the homes without the blood covering where death visited that night. It was the night God brought the people out of Egypt and delivered them. And while I was still waiting in Jericho, I looked at my own red cord in the window. It was a sign that God would remember me and that the coming destruction would pass over my home and family. How much more was his loving kindness toward me that God would give me my own Passover celebration before he liberated me and brought me into his family and a new tribe? Now I know what it is to celebrate the Passover as part of God's chosen people, but I will always remember what it was to be waiting for his promise to be fulfilled. Perhaps you know what it is like to be waiting for an answer to your prayers? I'm sure that you have heard the next part of the story. It is famous in all the lands about how God directed the Israelites not to fight, but to march. And I saw them coming from my window, and I braced for impact. They were going to take the city. But instead, they walked. First, the army of men, and they were silent. And then I, I heard the trumpets, and I saw the Ark of the Covenant, and I have never seen anything like it. It was beautiful. The priests carried it with such pride and care, for this was not a mere idol. This was the very place that God dwelled. God was with them in the middle of their army and guards. They marched, and I watched them all pass by, and I think, now something will happen. But they left just as they came. What strange thing is this, I wondered. Perhaps now the king will change his mind. Maybe there is still a chance for the city to be saved. But no, their hearts were hard, and they would not change their minds. They continued to cower in fear behind their walls. For six days, the same thing happened. Men marched, and the trumpets of the priests and the ark, and then they left. And I wondered what it all meant. Would they still remember my promise? But on the seventh day, something was different. They kept going. And I kept count. One, two, three times the ark passed under my window. Four, five, six. And after the seventh time, I heard Joshua command the people. He said, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Then I heard the shouts of all of the men, and I heard the sound of stones breaking. The wall began to crumble, and the earth shook around me. It was terrifying. All of my family stood at the window, filled with fear and awe of the kind of God who could control the entire earth like this. But our walls didn't crumble like everything else. And before it, I knew it, the same men who I saved came into my home and took all of us outside the city. I didn't even look back because I knew there was nothing left. The people had time to repent, time to turn to God. They saw the very ark that God made to dwell, and still they chose their own buildings, their own strength. 
and I knew there was nothing left for me there. I was no longer part of Jericho. I would only serve the God of Israel, even if that meant being a slave. I would rather serve in the house of God than be anywhere else, even if that cost me everything. But friends, here is the kind of God that Yahweh is. I was welcomed into this nation, not as a slave, not as a prisoner, not even as a prostitute. My family was welcomed as people. We were given space to grieve our losses, and I had assumed that we would be at best servants and taken as spoils of war. I know, excuse me, I know what it is like to be taken not as a human, but as an object used for the pleasure of others at my own expense. But the people of Israel treated me with respect. They taught me their ways. They taught me how to be cleansed from sin so that I could be part of the community. And a man of good standing, Salmon, he saw me and he took me as his wife. And he treated me with the same loving kindness I received from the spies. He taught me about God and his ways. And my family had a place and we became part of the tribe of Judah. And I wondered what this new family line would mean for our family. There was food and people shared generously. No longer was I the sole provider for my family. In fact, I learned that their laws provided for foreigners and for widows. No one took advantage of me or my family. I was given meaningful work to do and I became part of their nation. Never have I known such mercy or hospitality. Not only was this God more powerful than any other God, he dwelt with his people and he showed his people how to live with justice. Even animals were treated with dignity. How could anyone question this God and all that he stood for? I have no doubt that God would keep his promise and give the nation of Israel this land that was promised to them. Not only would they take the land, but he would bless all of the world through them. Even I got to be a blessing in this new nation. But I was amazed when I heard that not everyone in Israel understood this. I wondered how could someone who has heard the very words of God cross the Jordan on dry ground and still choose greed over obedience? What happened when Joshua sent out people into the city of Ai? And this time it was not like the battle of Jericho or the towns east of the Jordan, but the people of Ai attacked and the army came back defeated and in fear. What happened, we all wondered. Joshua fell on the ground before the Lord all day, morning, and all the elders did the same, inquiring of the Lord what had happened, for they were afraid of being wiped out by the Canaanites. And God spoke to Joshua, which, can you imagine speaking with God like that? I mean, I can only dream of a time when I could fully approach God. Wouldn't it be wonderful to not need someone to intercede, but to directly approach him in all his glory? But I digress. God spoke to Joshua, and he told him there was sin in the camp. Israel had broken their promise, and they needed to be consecrated, and that there were consecrated things among them. To be honest, I was nervous. Perhaps I had done something. I was new to all of these laws and regulations. Was I sinning? Or maybe they shouldn't have shown mercy to my family after all. I, 
I heard Joshua tell the people to not take the consecrated things. So what could have happened that would have brought about these losses? So we consecrated ourselves according to the instructions and presented ourselves. And I watched as the tribe of Judah was chosen, my tribe. And man by man they came forward, but it was the Sarites and then Zimri, and it was Achan that was chosen. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell him what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. It is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And they are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Sure enough, the items were found. And his whole family, even the cattle, paid the price for his disobedience. It was a sad and troubling day. And the pile of stones is still there as a reminder for the trouble they brought on Israel. It was a strange thing to realize that I was now part of this nation. God, in his loving kindness, had extended mercy to us, and it was no mistake. They welcomed a family of Canaanite descent for their obedience, but a man of Hebrew descent was no longer welcome because of his disobedience. I thought it might be that this God desires obedience more than sacrifice. What does that say about his character, I wondered. Well, Joshua then led the people in a successful battle this time against the people of Ai, and they were obedient to God's instructions and had total victory. Joshua then made a copy of the law of Moses and made sacrifices to God, and the covenant was renewed. Both the foreigners living in Israel, like myself, and the native-born were there. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Zerism, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. There Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among the nation. How glorious it was to hear the word of God. All I could do was marvel at the goodness and provision of being part of this nation. All I had lost was nothing compared to this new life as a follower of Yahweh. I was filled with awe and wonder at all that had happened. There is no other God like this one. And that I would be included, not just as a person, but as someone who gets to hear the very words of God, Praise be. May I never lose sight of the wonder and amazement of this. What other nation treats their women and children with this kind of honor? This is a good God who rules with justice, but is also full of loving kindness. There are many other amazing stories that I could tell you about how Joshua took the land under God's commands. My favorite one is the story of the Gibeonites and their deception that brought them into the nation of Israel too. They were very clever with their old wineskins and their old clothes pretending to be from far away so that they could make peace. They too knew that there was no other God like Yahweh and they chose to serve in this nation rather than be destroyed. 
I was delighted to see this, the way this nation was welcomed and shown mercy despite the law commanding the people to destroy these nations. Perhaps it is not only obedience that God requires of his people, but is also to show mercy and his loving kindness. Because not only did God make room for the people of Gibeon to serve as woodcutters and water carriers in the house of God, he honored the agreement that was made and he protected the city of Gibeon from the other kings in the area when they attacked. While my role was not to fight, we all saw the sun stand still that day as God fought for Israel and Gibeon against the five kings. It was miraculous, and there was no question that God was the one going before the army. The people of Gibeon recognized the power of the one true God, and their obedience in turning to him meant that they were protected and they persevered. I believe, or they were protected and they were preserved. I believed God really did mean for all of the world to be blessed through the descendants of Abraham. City after city, God gave victory to Israel and gave them the land that had been promised. 31 kings and all were defeated, and though not all the land was fully taken from the Canaanite people, the land was divided among the tribes of Israel. The tribe of Judah was given the land that extended down to Edom in the desert of Zin in the south, the Dead Sea on the east, and the Mediterranean Sea on the west, and we settled here. Though not far from the city I grew up in, it was a different world that was governed by a just God who taught his people how to live with one another. Even women were given a chance to inherit when there was no sons. Never had I thought a God who would recognize women, let alone give them land and remember their names. It was a sweet time in Israel of establishing our new life and resting from battles. We even I even welcomed a son with my son Salman, with my husband Salman, my precious Boaz. His name means strength. And I prayed that my son would always have the strength to serve God in the midst of troubles. For the Lord was my strength, and I trusted he would give my son the same strength to live with the kind of loving kindness I had seen from God's people. Now when Joshua grew old, he gave parting wisdom to Israel. There was no doubt that this man had been called by God to lead this nation. And he did lead them through so many battles and found victory. Yet he was so humble and you knew that he was dependent on God for everything he did. I made sure to listen to everything he said because he was someone who talked with God. How could I not listen? He gave warnings over what was to come. So I repeat his words to you too, so that you might remember. He said, be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Without turning aside to the right or to the left, do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not evoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. No one knew this better than myself. I knew what dangers it held to turn to these other gods. I knew what it was to see my city wiped out. There is nothing better than following the God of the people of Israel. Now, my God. And as I heard the remainder, the reminder of the journey of these people and how they had come from Abraham and the promise God kept to bring them to this land, I marveled that I could be grafted into this story 
that I too was like those who heard the words at Mount Sinai. Though it was not my bloodline or my original heritage, it was my story because I had followed Yahweh and he was welcomed into his family, just as you can if you turn to him too. And as Joshua renewed the covenant with the people of Israel, he told us, he said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in this land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I told my son Boaz these stories every day because my household was going to choose following the Lord. There is no other way. God saved me from a life of oppression, not just in prostitution, but an empty life serving worthless idols. He brought me out of darkness, and I was able to see the life offered of abundance and hope, not only in our crops and in the wealth of the land he gave us, but also in the fellowship of people who trust God's provision. I heard the stories that Moses recorded and the promises that one day someone would come who would destroy evil for good. And I prayed and I hoped that my son would follow those ways, that he would always follow after God's ways, and that maybe God would see fit to use my family, my new family, to do something so that all the world could see the goodness and justice of the God of Israel if only others would turn to him. I can only do my part, and it is ultimately a small role in God's bigger story. But I am so glad that he sent those spies, that he gave me the courage to act and to stand for what is right in the face of injustice. And I pray that my son will know these laws, that he will be the kind of man who lives out God's loving kindness to all, that perhaps through him and his children, more will come to see the true kindness of this God. My family, we will serve the Lord no matter what comes. How about your family? Will you follow after him? I promise that the life with God is much better than a life without him. I should know. That is my story, but I think it is only the beginning of a much bigger one. You never know what he will do when you follow with faith and obedience. I hope you know the blessings of life with God now and in the future, that your family will also choose to follow after God because this story isn't finished yet. I got to be part of God keeping his covenant with the people of Israel, and he gave them the promised land. But I see that his promises are not fully accomplished yet. He promised that one day someone will come who will destroy the serpent that deceived Adam and Eve. He promised that the seed of the woman will bring a ruler who would ultimately bring peace. And he promised that all the world would be blessed through the descendants of Abraham and that one day all will know the power and might of the God of heaven and earth. Those are promises I am still waiting to see fulfilled. Maybe my son will get to see them. Maybe your children will get to be the ones. We must all continue to choose to serve him, to remember his covenant love. I can only pray and imagine that this, what this God will do next in the world to bring people to him. 
If he can save me, then there is no one he can't save. I hope you will join me in being strong and courageous, living out his story so that all the world might know the blessing it is to serve the God of heaven and earth. Because this is not just my story, it is God's story. <laughs>